Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, and Kirk Waltz. And welcome to the Hot Life Outdoor Show. It's, uh, the cast is a little different today, folks. It, you know, it is deer season, and across the country, we're, I guess you could say, right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the rut. Uh, so in studio today, me, Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, good morning. Fresh back from, uh, Indiana, Indiana. this week. Yeah. And our staff, uh, biologist, Dave Edwards, is sitting in for Captain Kirk Waltz, who is in Kentucky. Have you heard from him? I have not. I have not either. I have not. Morning, Dave. <laughs> Good morning. Morning. Uh, uh, it's, it's funny this time of year. I mean, heck, you got, you got, you know, three, the three main characters in this, and then you got the other two main characters, Chris and Big Bill. And we're trying to work them into hunting. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the core, the, the three guys that are on the radio behind the mics, I won't say core, just the guys behind the mic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we love to go hunt. Uh, and so at different times of the year, like, you know, we try to, Sit down and look at our calendars. Okay, so so Saturday on this date, I'm going to be gone. Uh, who's got the show covered? Okay, I'm Saturday on the right. show. Uh, I'm going to be and, gone. And we do that in August, by the way. We do, so yeah. we got the show covered. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't supposed to be here today, but some flag football kind of changed that. But that's it's a beautiful thing. It's yeah. my, my kid. So, sure. Uh, and, Kevin, you, you were gone. Let's see. When were you gone? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. you were in... I was in Nebraska. Nebraska, and then right. and then I flew out last Saturday after the show, and uh, flew to Indiana. Indiana, and and Dave, where you been? I've been putting working, hunter, working, <laughs> putting hunters on deer. Unfortunately, not myself. And that's kind of, that's kind of the way it goes. And, and kind of put the conversation today. I, I've got some questions for you, Dave, because here we are, the first part, uh, you know, middle part of November, and I think every hunter has it on their mind: the rut. And when does it start? How do you know? What are some of the signs? When do you need to be in the woods? You know, I, because I think every hunter has that question in their mind. They don't truly understand the breeding cycle. And I'm one of them. Yeah. You know, the more I can learn about it, the better off I think how, I'm going to be. How many articles do you read about it? Endless. 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 I mean, you know, because I've been on a plane a lot. You know, so I've got, I've gotten all, you know, the, the, the bow hunter magazines, the field and streams, the outdoor lives, the American hunter. I mean, I, I, I get on the plane with this, you know, and, and everything is wrapped around the rut right now, how to hunt the rut. You know, field and stream has their best seven days of the rut, which has been pretty darn accurate the last, the last three years. I have killed a buck on the day, the best day that they have talked about. Really? Yes, absolutely. And now I, I was in Kansas. Right. You know, I mean, so that, yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that helps. That, that, that's part of it, mm-hmm. Dave. You know, I mean, you look at, at, I mean, holy cow, the Midwest. I mean, Illinois, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa. I mean, when those people hunt whitetail, is it really that hard? I mean, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying it's fragmented farm ground, and you got food. You got cover, mm-hmm. and it's not like hunting Texas. 
or Georgia or, or the southeast. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it, it it's you a different you, hunt. You and I have had this conversation before, Jeff, and 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 and, and when you okay, I'll just take for example Indiana last week. Okay, the cornfields are cut, bean fields are cut. <laughs> There's only one place that they can go. That's cover. Okay. Yeah, see, see, that's, and, that, that's and, my and, point. And, 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 and when we talk about bedding areas, dude, in Georgia, they can lay down 10 yards off of a food plot. That's a bedding area. I mean, there, there's really no true defined bedding area. When you go to Indiana, when you go to Kansas, oh, you, know it. you know where those deer are. You do. And you can hunt those paths, you know, going to the food and, and, and going back to the, to the bedding area. Absolutely, Jeff. You're right. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's thicker in the south. It's, it's a whole different animal. Well, Texas is the same way. But when you get up there, I don't want to. I don't want to downplay particularly those that are in the Midwest or got guys that go out there. Hey, you're telling me it's so easy, you know, to hunt up here. But even though, just like you're in Indiana, talking about the cut fields, you've got yep. those fingers, and yep. you know, they're supposed to be there and all. This still can be tough. Oh, it, um, you know, it, it's, I mean, you're especially if you're especially if you're bow hunting. Uh, you know, that you got to get them close. Yeah. So if it, you're not within bow shot of them. And I've talked to Jeff about this before in 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 Kansas, honestly, and and in in Indiana, two this is two years in a row now. If I would, you know, because Indiana doesn't have rifle season, they have a shotgun muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. If I would have had a shotgun or a muzzleloader, I'd have been done in thirty minutes. The, the 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 last two times I've been up there, the first day, you know, I mean, because you're sitting in in these areas where the deer have to go. I mean, when there's no corn standing, there's only so much wood in Kansas. I would say every year that I've been there, I would have been done in an hour with a rifle. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's... Hey, well, hey and I'll tell you, I hunted uh, Illinois about four years in a row, and the cut cornfields, cut bean fields, I was sitting in those fingers, and I thought, I can smoke anything that comes down this finger. Right. I, I was bow hunting. Right. I see one coming and start licking my chops, and he's toast. I yeah. was already thinking about how I'm going to mount him. <laughs> right. And they would cut out across the middle of a that's, wide open, two hundred exactly right. acre field. Yep. And I'd see them out there four hundred yards from me. Yep. And they were just at seventy. Yep. I no, um, so. I and I agree. I mean it's those bucks have no qualms whatsoever about being out in the open. None. Hmm. Now you that, know, that I mean, brings us back to the rut. Mm-hmm. Because the reason there's so many articles about the rut and so many uh so much hype about the rut, the rut, the rut, the rut. That's because that's when that's the best time to kill a big buck. Yeah. Because a mature buck, because they just, they get, get, get love sick and they're not on their guard. They're not, you know, putting all those survival instincts into place and they're not as nocturnal as they normally are. 300 days of the, I mean, yeah. 200 and something odd days of the year. This is when you're catching them off guard. And so that's why there's so much. And I've, I've looked, I've just looking at how many across all the acres we were managing and all the mature bucks. I started doing some analysis. And majority of the bucks are taken the first week of the season or during the rut. Yeah. Because you're catching them off guard. Yep. And then you're catching them when they're not thinking straight. And, 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 and I'll tell you, I, what he just said. The right on the money. Is, is, dude, that first week in September, I know you, you're like, dude, it's too hot. I saw. For archery. For, for archery, yeah. I mean, it was But, sep- but even, September even, even the, um, I mean, archery in some places in the country. Yeah. They don't get any pressure. Right. Right. And if right. It, they do, it gets, it's real minimal. Yeah. So sometimes even your your first firearm season, whatever it may be, yeah. you're right. Yeah, that's Dave, what I was talking about. Yeah. The gun that's season. the first yeah. firearm yeah. season, and, and most of the time it's gun. Some states will be you know shotgun or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's when I mean, heck, my son in Georgia, first mm-hmm. weekend of gun. There you go. This year, bang. Right. 
you know, out one walks, you know, do, 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 do you know, like it's no big deal. You yeah. Know? And, and you've heard, we've talked about hunt pressure on the hunt life show before and that place, that's why you're catching them off guard. And then I know, I don't, I don't want to give them too much credit, but they, they know they're in the game. Mm-hmm. They start yeah. smelling. Think about the average hunter that doesn't go out to this property or hunt lease a lot all year. Like, you know, we're out there pretty active, but, um, the average person is not out there all the time. Right. Running foils, running tractors, moving stands, you know, laying scent trails everywhere. They're walking around the woods. All of a sudden, this whole big traffic jam of hunters hits the woods. Boom. And, 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 and I don't, you know, according, just like us personally, Jeff, we have 250 acres. I don't think it takes the traffic jam of hunters. All it takes is one or two. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're, you, you've got stands spread out and, 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 and but you learn. Throughout the years, especially the, that conversation that, that we had, mm-hmm. that we, uh, I don't know, six or seven months ago, about how to, you know, cut paths to your stands how and, to, and, and how, how to minimize, how to manage your stands, how to yeah. manage your, your scent that you're leaving out there while you are preparing for deer season is, is big. Yeah. And I got to do some of that stuff that we talked about. How long ago was that day that we talked about it? And I still haven't. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> Done a couple things. <laughs> Add it to the list. But I mean, my questions, my question is this about the rut. When, when do you know it's, it's going on? Well, there's, there's several. Besides, you see bucks chasing does. You know what I mean? There's, you know, uh, I I would say looking for a sign such as scrapes. Those are, those are probably key. Would Um, that be considered pre-rut though? That's pre-rut. I'm talking about prime time (laughs) peak. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, Seeing bucks chasing is the prime time peak because let, let's say, uh, I'll, I'll use, uh, Pike County, Illinois, for example. November 12th ish is about the day. Mm-hmm. It's going to vary three or four days or a week or something like that, you know, weather conditions or what. I think Field but, Stream's number one day this year is November 12th. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> so but, I just let you know. But if I'm, but if I'm sitting on go mm-hmm. and I'm ready to hunt and I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to take my vacation and I'm living there or, so, you know, and I can go. I'm going to kind of keep in tune. I'm listening to my buddies talking. When they start seeing the young bucks on their feet, you know that the rut's kicking in. Those guys are chasing, and it's not going to be long before the big boys get on their feet. But isn't, I mean, it that, that, isn't that a sign when you see the little bucks chase? Because, you know, perfect example, you know, hunting this week, I'm seeing little bucks run around, spikes, four points, and all of a sudden you see the big boy, He's yeah. just casual. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not talking a giant. I'm talking just, you know, a bigger boy, three and a half year old buck, you know, maybe four and a half year old buck. That's right. And he comes out and he's just like, whatever. You know, he goes, checks his scrape, you know, hits it, but he's not chasing. You That's know what right. I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah you it, see that all the time. I mean, you see the, even on a food plot, you, you'll be sitting on a food plot this time of year. Doe comes out and, and, and if you've got a pretty tight sex ratio, those does are halfway on guard now. They're, you can tell them they're mm-hmm. looking because they know they're going to get chased or something's going to go on. But you'll see young bucks chasing them. All of a sudden, a young buck will come out, run her all over the place, and they'll go off in the woods. And then you have a three-year-old that comes out and starts eating. Yeah. The young buck comes out chasing the doe again. He looks up at him and goes back to feeding. Yeah. Why does he do that? I'm not sure. But <laughs> my, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure. But I, the, the, the older mature bucks are generally the last ones to get going. But... But aren't, aren't just they the out. ones that know? That's right. I mean, I'm, the, I'm in, it's yeah. just like just like young men. It, that's what I was getting yeah. ready to say. You know, I was getting ready to say. Now it's kind of like the old, you know, old bull and, and young and bull young on the bull. hill. Yeah, that's I right. was getting ready to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. I think that's what it is. And you know, when you when you start seeing mature bucks, 
that's when a lot of does are in estrus. Okay. I mean, they're they're going to ma- maximize their energy by waiting. And, it's like and, the big bull on top of the hill. And, and, and do you, you know, do you believe in the uh, that that most of the? I mean, we talk about most of the breeding is done by three and a half year olds. No. 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 It's, um, there's there's some research has been done here recently and still being conducted that mm-hmm. is showing all of them breeding. Oh, they all do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're all breeding. They're all contributing to the gene pool and, you know, all that. So, no. And I used to, I mean, I used to be one of the things, uh, you know, somebody would say, hey, this is a good buck on our property. This is one of our best bucks. We're not going to shoot him. He's our breeder buck. Mm-hmm. Well, he's been breeding since he was a spike. Yeah. So there's no sense in saving him. I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. contributed to the population right. growing up. So it's not, and then even though he's a spike and he's 165 inches right now, he had the 165 inch genes that he passed on. If that's what you're, you know, right. trying to let him go. So, well, here's here's the other thing that I'm wondering, and this is just you know, my experiences this week. You start seeing a lot of yearlings by themselves. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with that? They're getting their mama's getting chased. Yeah, I mean that's that's they're starting that the things you're you've said this morning. You got young bucks chasing. You've got fawns that orphan fawns that are out there walking on their own or. Come by themselves. And I ain't shot all their mamas yet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean orphan, but I mean they're lost for the time being. But but that those are two. There's a lot of good. people that just said I can't listen to this show anymore. Bambi. <laughs> oh, but those are two. They only key had things. one spot. Yeah. Those are two key things I look for. I mean, mm-hmm. um, those young bucks chasing, and you start seeing fawns by themselves. Those are two great. You, you came home too early. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> well, I'm going you, back. I, I, I'm just, it's, Jeff, it was good having you for 20 minutes this morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going back. Don't, don't you worry about that. All right, folks, uh, our special guest is really not special guest because he's a staff biologist, Dave Edwards, also runs Tall Tines Wildlife and Hunting Consultants. Uh, check him out uh, or send him an email at talltinesconsulting at gmail.com, and, uh, or you can just go to huntlife.com and uh, – Read your bio and send us an email. Say, hey, Dave, I got a question. And cross the table for me, the regulars, me, Jeff Loggeman, Kevin Favor, Kirk is in Kentucky, and we're going to also have some Indiana stories. Yeah, need some Indiana stories uh, here on the Hot Life Outdoor Show. You can tell a lot about a person just by looking at them. What they wear speaks volumes as to who they are and where they stand on a number of things. From their favorite team or the place they like to eat to what they really believe in. I'm Major Harding, president of Hunt Life. When you see someone wearing a Hunt Life shirt or hat, you'll know some things about them right away. You'll know they're passionate about the outdoors. You'll know they invest time and energy and funds into preserving and protecting wildlife because they care about it. You'll know that they enjoy sharing the hunting experience with everyone they can. And you'll know that for them, hunting isn't a hobby, it's a way of life. If you're a hunter, it's time you told the world what kind of person you are. Visit HuntLife.com and browse the hunt shop for hats and shirts and decals and more. And while you're there, become a member. It's fast, easy, and absolutely free. And you'll connect with a world of people who share your feelings about hunting. Take aim with Hunt Life. Hi, I'm Brett Michaels for the American Diabetes Association. Diabetes is a constant battle. I know. I've had it since I was six years old. A lot of people don't consider it deadly, but diabetes kills more Americans each year than breast cancer and AIDS combined. 
Please join me in the movement to stop diabetes. Help us raise awareness and find a cure. Share, act, learn, and give at StopDiabetes.com. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, wherever the mission takes us, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. Outdoors show. And welcome back, and it's me, Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor. Good morning. Uh, morning. Uh, Kirk is uh, in Kentucky, and so sitting in his seat today is Dave Edwards, and he is a wildlife biologist. Where'd you go to school, Dave? Uh, University of Florida. Oh, and I didn't then, know that. Uh, there's a rough last <laughs> two weeks ago, we had a rough week there with Georgia, but, uh, and everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> we, we, yeah. Won't, we won't talk about the... Uh, Florida football program much on the show. Yes. Uh, you now have your own wildlife consulting business, Tall Times. I do. And uh, what's the email again? TallTimesConsulting at gmail.com. And then also you can read Dave's bio. Have you changed it at HuntLife.com? I think we have. Have we, Bill? It is now updated. So, uh, And, folks, uh, Dave writes also for various publications. You write for, uh, well, I guess it's not really writing, but it's your opinion is in uh, Quality Whitetails Magazine, which is the publication of QDMA, Quality Deer Management Association, and in the age of this. You also write articles for them. You write articles for uh, the guest that we had on last week, which is Wildlife Trends. Yeah. You do yep. the calendar as a matter in the of fact, I read that article. How'd you like that magazine? No, I loved well, it's not, it's, it. Uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Do you call it a magazine? It's a little more of a uh, a journal, I guess. It was, yeah. Maybe not a journal, but it's just practical wildlife management information and property information. And uh, Andy, who was our guest last week, uh, how'd you like it, Kevin? You got a chance to Dude, really look I, through I, I, it on the plane. I read the whole thing on the plane. Cover to cover. Cover to cover. Good stuff. Absolutely. Love uh, you it. know, and, and, and I am so sorry because the the week that I missed, you had the gentleman on here talking about pears. Alan Deese. Okay. From and, Wildlife and, Group and, in and, and I have, I have, Tuskegee, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, Tuskegee, I, Alabama. I, I have planted lots of pear trees on, on my property. I love pear trees. Mm-hmm. So, and they that, had that article in there. About, you know, the different types of which, you know, most people are going, dude, well, who would I care about pear trees? Anyway, it was cool to me. Ten different, you know, different types of, of pear trees and mm-hmm. why you plant different pear trees. And exactly. I was just like, you know, and, and I even had Carrie read it, you know, because she's way into the tree thing, you know, so well, and it was cool. For, for those that missed the show with Alan or Andy, we catalog all that stuff at huntlife.com where you can go back and listen to past shows and we title them, uh, Big Bill Wright, our tech guru here is in the studio. Uh, just give me an odd or a no. Yes, we catalog them all. We title them. Uh, so, so check it out at huntlife.com. Uh, all right, back back to the rut for a few minutes. Okay. Uh, the breeding cycle, which is we all call the rut. Take me through a, a layman's description of the phases of the rut, and you got to do it in within about three minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think everybody's fairly familiar with pre rut. Rut and post rut. Mm-hmm. And the pre rut phase is when, well, first off, let's kind of back up a little bit. Bucks are, are growing the antlers and they have velvet, you know, and they're, while they're growing. And as that testosterone level kicks in, 
that hardens the, hardens the antlers, and then, you know they get the antlers we have in the fall. But as that testosterone level grows, then they start getting male hormone. You know, mm-hmm. they're starting to get frisky, and they're starting feeling to, their oats. starting to feel their oats. Yep. Because you see a deer in velvet, and his neck looks skinny. Oh yeah, his yeah. belly might be big, but then all of a sudden you see him. All of a sudden, you know, three weeks later, and you're like. Is he on steroids? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, that testosterone kicks in. It's almost like they're training for a marathon. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they start rubbing a lot more and they start trimming up and they start really getting in shape. For one, not not so much for, for the girls, but they got some fighting to do. I mean, they got to compete for the breeding rights. And so really that, that pre-rut, you'll start hearing bucks tangle up. And you'll when you're sitting there or you see the bucks fighting, a lot of times it's not like a knockdown, drag out, sling somebody to the ground kind of fight. It's more of a tingle tangle, kind of a sparring, and they're, and they're kind of getting that pecking order. Mm-hmm. So truly, when they really get to the rut, I mean, there's going to be some fights. So, you know, just like being in, in the prime of the rut is when you see knockdown, drag out. It's to the death fights, right? That's right. Okay, That's but not right. in the pre-rut. Not in the pre-rut. They're kind of sorting sorting through things, and they're um, just kind of getting that pecking order established. But while they're doing that, they're also laying down scrapes and rubs, and uh, and it's kind of like. Uh, you know, we're talking about that pre-rut establishing that pecking order. Those rubs are laying down scent and from their from their uh, foreheads and all the glands, and that's telling the other buck, "Hey, this is my territory, buddy." You know that kind of thing. So they're now they're sharing territories, but that that's all part of it. But they do a lot of intensive rubbing during that early pre-rut air, pre-rut time, and that's what's also helping get their neck large and they're mm-hmm. starting to get trimmed up. Um, so they're going they're going and getting close to that rut. And then once the you know the young bucks we were just talking about chasing, um, those guys will start even thinning up some because they're expending a lot of energy chasing and chasing nothing out. sometimes. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> just looking around. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And gen- generally speaking, uh, the the does will start coming into estrus, and when, when they start coming into estrus, there may be a handful of them, handful of them, and they all kind of start coming to estrus. And to tell you what estrus is, it's when they're receptive, when when they're in heat. Mm-hmm. And their heat lasts 24 hours, one day. So if they don't get bred during that one day, they go out just like a menstrual cycle. 28 days later, they come back in. So that's what kind of extends that rut period on out further is that if she doesn't get bred that first time, then they're still chasing. The other ones are coming in, but that one's going to come back in. So it's almost like an Indian right. race where one comes from the back and goes to the front. So Okay. And, and so uh, when – the rut is at its peak, you know, and a lot of does are starting to come in the heat. All of a sudden, you, you don't see as many does. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Are they hiding? Well, they're, they're getting chased. They're get they're trying to stay in. You know, generally, they get to thicker cover uh, sometimes. Some, I mean, if you've seen, I mean, I know you have, Jeff, seen, both of you have seen does that, for, for lack of better terms, Fearing for their life. I mean, they're not fearing for their life, but they're yeah. they they're, they're in heat, right? And it's like a, a dog in heat. And, and every dog's going to jump. Every male dog is going to jump the fence and get in your yard, right? And, and so they're trying to find a place to hide. You know, one thing that Jeff and I have talked about because I, I you know, I use a you know Tink sixty nine code blue something to that effect, and I've had those come in and smell it and leave. I mean, like, oh my God, you know, seriously, I mean, you, and they're not smelling me. I know what they're smelling. You know, if they smell a doe in heat somewhere, they know that somebody's, you know, there's, there's a chance that there's a buck around and they're getting ready to, you know, he's going to think it's them. 
I mean, I, they, they don't similar, like that stuff. Very similar experiences with grunt calls, just playing around with it. Yeah. And in, in, that, in that time frame when the rut's kind of going, yeah. grunt at her, looks up, and she goes the other way. <laughs> right. She may not see the buck, and she didn't see me because I was in the tree, but going the other way, avoiding mm-hmm. that buck because, mm-hmm. hey, he's liable to start harassing me. You know? Okay. What Now, you said that they typically, you, you see the chasing in the, in the cover. Hunting strategies for the peak of the rut. Fields, because you can see more. Do you get in the thick cover? I What's would, the would, best strategy? You know, this just from my experience is to be close to the thick cover, but in a place, if you're rifle hunting, a place that you can stretch a bullet out through the woods. Um, because a lot of times there, you'll, you'll see the does are in and out of that cover. They'll come busting out, mm-hmm. they'll be out in the open, then they'll get chased around a little bit, and then they'll tuck right back into a pine plantation or cedar thicket or a cutover or something of that nature. So, you know, obviously the, you know, the best place to be is inside that cover, but you just can't see. Yeah. So right. you got to get where they're coming out of that cover. Can you give me an example real quick? Sitting on, on, uh, I guess it would have been Monday morning in Indiana. Uh, my father-in-law killed a real nice eight point on, on Sunday morning, chasing a doe. Chased, and this, chased, this, this week when you were in Indiana. This, uh, this, this week killed, killed, killed just uh, the eight point went right by me chasing a doe at Mach 10. Little tiny piece of property we're hunting, 30 acres. Anyway, I sat in that stand the next morning in this cornfield, big thicket to the right, and we're in the swamp. So they, they it's just a funnel area. Mm-hmm. Didn't see anything. I mean, I, had, I hadn't seen anything. It was a beautiful, it was 40 degrees overcast, and it rained all night, and it's clear and cold now. No wind. It's perfect. And, and a lot of combines running. I mean, you know, you all, you're, there's always noise, and I kept hearing, and I heard this for an hour. I'm Music just, you know, to my ears. It, it, yeah, well, <laughs> but but you you know you 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 hear this for so long. You're thinking, okay, you know frogs. Yeah. Seriously, they, they you know there's and and you got the combines going. I'm going. Yeah. I said, you got it. So just like a grunt, you know. And I would lightly hit the grunt call, and it was about 80 yards in front of me. And I go, I I know that's a buck. You know, I, I mean, and this went on for an hour, and it never moved. So anyway, I'm like, damn it. So I stand up as high as I can in my stand. I'm standing on my tippy toes, and, and then all of a sudden I see tines. You know, and there was a little tiny thicket there, and this buck was walking circles around this thicket, and that doe was in that thicket. Yeah. And and she was, I mean, in the thickest, nastiest stuff, and and Jeff, he was walking around, going, "Eh, eh, eh, eh," and it was awesome. I mean, just to see the beautiful buck, you know, probably 140 class, uh, nine or ten point, I really couldn't tell. But, I mean, that's... That's why you go and sit oh, there. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, it was, I mean, and, and he did it for, for another 40 minutes. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, he went, he, he, that dildo was in that thicket and he was, it was driving him crazy. When you, you were talking about the hardwoods in Indiana, there where you were, like, strip, the strip of woods, mm-hmm. that's the other place to be. And, you, and there's so much, you know, uh, press on funnels and fingers and things of that nature. But really what you are, you're between two thickets. That's right. You're, you're going, Between the bedding areas. You're trying to get in that travel corridor, yep. so they're going from one thicket to the next. Yep. But the reason you want to be there, for one, it funnels them, but the other is that's the place you can see them. Mm-hmm. You can't see them in those two thickets. No, you, you know? couldn't see them. And you're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with me, Jeff Logman, Kevin Favor, and also our staff biologist, Dave Edwards. And for this holiday season, folks, Hunt Life is giving somebody a big present. A big. South Texas dream deer hunt with Hunt Life President Major Harding. Grand prizes include airfare, food, lodging, fair chase deer hunt fall of 2012. How to enter, go to HuntLife.com's community and upload a video showing us how you live the hunt life. All videos become the property of Hunt Life, where you can make a purchase in the Hunt Life online store. 
uh, at the discount code sweepstakes for a 10% discount on your order. Check it out, huntlife.com, and we'll be back with more after this. As a hunter, we all know that perfect morning. You wake up early before the sun, you have a cup of coffee, grab some snacks, and start towards your stand. You have waited for this morning all year. The wind's perfect, the temperature's just right, and the bucks are in full rut. You sit in the dark, straining your ears for any little noise. The sun finally starts to filter through the trees, then it happens. A doe comes by you on a fast trot. You immediately clip your release to your bow because you know he is coming. You hear a loud grunt and see antlers. It's a buck, a big buck. You stand up trying not to concentrate on the antlers. Your hands are shaking. You can't control the trembling in your knees. You draw the bow back, praying the buck continues down the trail. But as big bucks do, he turns. Your heart sinks. You have a decent shot, but not one you're comfortable with. You decide to let him go. Even though you're disappointed, you can't help but think just how cool that was. The folks at Hunt Life, they know how you feel. That's why they started Hunt Life, so we can share our outdoor experiences with each other. If you know this feeling, visit HuntLife.com. Because Hunt Life knows it's all about the outdoor experience. Since the first days at Mossy Oak, we've been about getting close to critters. That's what drove us to create Original Breakup more than 12 years ago. Today we're doing it again with all-new Breakup Infinity. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequaled, effective design. Hey, check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camel pattern, just got better. Let fish and wildlife biologist Scotty Brown's 25 years of experience work for your property with Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management. They help landowners on developing and managing properties where recreational fishing and or hunting is the priority. Their lake management services include fish population sampling, electrofishing, water analysis, vegetation establishment or reduction, lake design or renovation, and long-term management strategies for your water body's future. Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management installs and repairs aeration systems, fountains, fish and game feeders, and their own design, Forever Tree Fish Attractors. They're experts in keeping small public water bodies and retention ponds in housing developments and golf courses working properly. So if you're looking to improve your property's aquatic resources, call Scotty Brown at Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management at 214-383-3223. That's 214-383-3223. I've been a member of the Federation for 18 years. The Federation stands for good stewardship of the resources and preserving our hunting heritage. Through those efforts, I want my kids to be able to enjoy the same privilege that I have. My father joined the Federation for me, and I've done the same for my children. Jakes, women in the outdoors, and wheeling sportsmen, they want to be the best conservation organization in the world. Outdoor Show. And welcome back. I'm Jeff Logman along with Kem Favor and our staff biologist Dave Edwards, Tall Tines Consulting, and also works at Cabin Bluff, a uh, hunting retreat lodge in South Georgia that's just a little piece of heaven. If you want to check it out, cabinbluff.com. Yeah, is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah. Cabinbluff.com? Yep. And uh, we're talking a little bit of rut, and Kevin, you got to go to Indiana this week and, mm-hmm. and archery hunt in Indiana. Uh, Grandpa Jimmy? Yep, my father-in-law. Your father-in-law got a great buck. Killed killed a beautiful buck the first morning we were there. Came came, came right by me chasing a doe. 
And, uh, like I said, we're hunting a very small piece of property. My wife was one, one end. I was in the middle and, and, um, Grandpa Jimmy was, was at the other end and, and, uh, it, it, Jeff typical, you know, 20 minutes after daylight, you know, obviously the doe was going out to feed out in that, that bean, that cut bean field and, and he chased that doe. I mean, you know, and, and not, not the little lopey lope. I'm talking. He's on her. <laughs> He's on her, man. I mean, you know, it, it, it Mach 5 coming by me. You can hear him in that field, thump, 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 you know, and man, your heart just, just, you just, you know, with a bow, it's 80 yards. You know, what do you do? And, and, uh, hey, were you hearing, uh, we were talking about grunting a while ago. You know, those little perp. Yeah. Perp. We, we call them when they get like that. A lot of times they sound like a haunted house door. It's like a, <laughs> there's long ruts when they're really on them. Yeah. Were you hearing any of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he was, he was just as lit up as he could be, you know, and, and, um, the, the, the doe went in the woods about 50 yards in front of me and, and there's a, there's literally a, a, a path, you know, that, that, that goes right there towards Grandpa Jimmy's stand. And, and, and I'm thinking that bucks that I can see the horns going, going down the path. I'm going, they're going right to him, you know, and, and, uh, it was funny because it, 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 to hear the story from Grandpa Jimmy, you know, I, I saw everything that was happening. And, he, and, and his stand is looking the opposite way. It's looking over a thicket in, in a cornfield. The, usually the deer come from the other way, but the buck had chased the doe. So it came from behind him. So the first thing he saw was the doe to his left, you know, and he's sitting there. And, and he's going to take a doe, right? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's, he, he, you were sitting there thinking he's going to shoot the doe and well, never it, see the buck. It, well, the <laughs> thing was is that he, he, he wears, um, what are those, game ears or? Yeah, like Walker game ears. Yeah, four yeah, because he can't hear a lick, okay? Yeah. And he said he's sitting there and, and he's and he's looking at the doe and, and his bow's hanging on the tree behind him, you know, and, and, and he hears, Arr. and he said it just vibrated his head. He's like, oh my God, you know? And he said, you know, the, the buck came from its left at, at, at 12 yards. Oh man. You know, and, and he's like, oh, you know, he's like, oh my God, you know, and he's trying to get his bow and he's got to turn around. Thank goodness he's right handed because it was on that side of the tree. And, um, hit him a little high, spined him, which we didn't have to do any tracking, you yeah. know, but, but I'm, so I'm, I'm watching, you know, I, I got my phone, you know, cause I know that this is getting ready to go down, you know, and, and this was, it, it doesn't get light there till eight o'clock. I mean, you know, so at, at eight twenty, here goes grandpa Jimmy walking across the bean field. And I went, he's, I said, he's, <laughs> I'm like, that's coming. He's killed that buck, you know, and, yeah. and, and when he's walking across, I mean, I'm way up in a tree, you know, and he holds an arrow up. Like this, and keeps going to the truck, you know, and, and, um, he don't know how to text, so I had to call him, you know, and I said, you kill him? He goes, and dude, he came right to me. He goes, how'd you know? I said, he, I said, because I passed him. Yeah, right. <laughs> I passed him. Hey, yeah. No, you know. Hey, you brought up, uh, uh, something that I've really learned over the last three or four years of, uh, being in a tree with a cameraman. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about it coming up from behind, uh, Grandpa Jimmy. Yeah. I can't tell you how, I mean, I, this made me start turning around like an owl. Because I'm sitting there thinking everything, I'm, I'm just hunting. Right. And the cameraman taps me on the shoulder, buck, 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 buck. Buck is 30 yards behind us. Yeah. And I've been looking, I mean, even with the cameraman behind you, I'm still looking, but things happen in a minute to two minutes and you, you miss a lot. I, I realize how many deer I, yeah. are actually around me that I, that I have not been seeing. Not it, that I'm not and looking you, and I'm falling asleep. In this, this little marshy area that we hunt, you can't hear a deer. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was 23 degrees and zero wind. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't, you can't hear them. All the leaves are falling and they're all, you know, real damp and stuff. You, I, I had, like I said, I had does and yearlings like, Oh, you know, there's, there's a deer, you know, I mean, 
it was unbelievable. When they start walking through that, you know, that little mucky stuff like mm-hmm. that, it's amazing how quiet they can be. Oh yeah. You know, they can get on top of you in a heartbeat. Yep. Yeah. So did, did you ever have, a, have an opportunity? I mean, you saw that buck and. No. No, I, 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 I no, no, I, every, every sit, I saw deer on every sit, um, but, but I never had an opportunity and, uh, I saw, I saw that buck that he killed and then the next morning I, I saw that buck in, in that thicket tending that doe and that was, that was an hour of watching that, which, dude, I mean, if you could just sit there, I mean, you know, just an absolutely stud, beautiful buck, you know, Indiana is the one place, Jeff, that, that, of, of the places I go that I don't spend a lot of time. I mean, literally, it's like two or three days. Yeah. And I want to spend more time there. Because right. every time I sit, every time I go there, and I go there, you know, kind of, kind of, I guess you would, uh, pre-rut, basically, you know, that, that Halloween weekend. But this year it was so cold. And they, and the, and the cornfields are cut. And mm-hmm. that's key when you're hunting the Midwest like that. If they, if, 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 if there's corn standing, it's almost impossible, but when they when they cut that corn and all they have is that those little thickets, I mean, I would really like to spend you know that seven ten days in Indiana because you could kill a bruiser there. Man. Wouldn't we all like to spend seven well, yeah, ten days know. somewhere? Well, you know, it's yeah. it's nice having family there. Yeah, you know. Hey, we we were talking about the rut a while ago, and, every, and a lot of focus on that rut for hunting, but the pre rut is the right right before the rut the real rut yeah they're, they're getting their folks filled and they're getting going yeah that is the time to go because they're trolling right they're looking they're not so much intense of chasing and and also like you're talking about the buck circle in that thicket yeah he he was very likely to get in if she's laying down get right there with her and lock down with her yep and then so they're they're not going to leave that dope and so if she's bedded he's bedded uh, dude, and they're just absolutely we call it lockdown. I, I, I've had I've had two opportunities. Let me interrupt you. Two opportunities to do that in Kansas because we hunt those plum thickets, and you can take your binocs yeah. on those sand hills and just look in those plum thickets because that's where the does go. And all you, you look in there, and all of a sudden you see horns. Yeah. And he's in there bedded down with a doe. Oh, you know what was crazy? I was talking about hunting uh, uh, Illinois. We come out of the woods at eleven, eleven thirty. Lots of chasing, lots of stuff going on. But we'd be coming out through this great big cut bean field and such. There'd be us thinking one hundred and sixty inch buck. Laying down with a doe in the wide open yeah. out there in the middle of the rut, but they were in lockdown. I mean, they were just absolutely yep. not leaving that doe. So, if I had a, a choice, I'd re- if somebody said, "Hey, you can hunt Iowa this year. When do you want to go?" The rut is, you know, November nineteenth or whatever it is. I want to be there November first through the tenth. Okay, that's, now I, that's when they're trolling. Now I've read that the best time to find a buck cruising in the rut is midday. Is, is is that true? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, because they're 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 pretty well chasing, stuck with a doe, morning when when deer are active, morning and evening, and he's either one, if if he's got a doe that's an estrus, he's probably gonna bed with her, or if she goes to bed or whatever, he's gonna be right there ten yards from her or right next to her. But if he doesn't have one, he's up and looking around. So okay, midday's a great time to, to go during the rut. Kansas is one o'clock to four o'clock, Jeff. That's the ticket. Kansas, I, I, I promise you right now, Kansas is one o'clock to four o'clock. Well, hmm. and the, and the pre-rut is when rattling, grunting, yep. snort wheezing works. If you've ever tried to rattle or snort wheeze a bucket in hot pursuit, no, nah. forget it. Yeah, yeah forget it. Yeah. he's got blinders on. You can beat the horn at him. He <laughs> yeah. doesn't care. Exactly. So the, you know those kind of tactics just don't work during the peak of the rut. But, and you're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with me, Jeff Logman, Kevin Favor, and staff biologist Dave Edwards. We'll be back after this.
As a turkey hunter, we've all been there. You're on your eighth day of hunting the same gobbler, and every morning he's made you look silly. Your kids think you've lost your mind. Your wife's beginning to wonder if you're really turkey hunting. You keep telling yourself this morning will be different. Conditions are perfect, 45 degrees, very little wind, and there is no moon. As you sit in the dark, your eyes get heavy. With your eyes closed, the whippoorwills keep you awake. And just before the sun rises, the familiar song of the cardinal catches your attention because you know it won't be long until the game begins. You've decided this morning to be quiet. Just let him gobble on the roost. Just after daybreak, he does just that. You know it's him because his gobble is way too familiar. It's all you can do not to call back. You hear him fly down, and then you hear the hen start to call. You make one soft call and get the gun ready. First you see a hen, then all you see is a swinging beard. He comes into view, and you fold him up. This morning, you guessed right. What a cool feeling. The folks at Hunt Life, they know how you feel. Because at Hunt Life, they know it's all about the outdoors experience. Visit them at HuntLife.com. You want to get really close to critters this fall? Then you'll have to try all-new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequaled effective design. Together, they represent the most dramatic, high-tech leap in the history of camo. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camel pattern, just got better. We know the future of hunting depends on our nation's youth. But did you know that in many states, it's illegal for you to take your son or daughter hunting until the age of 12 or even older? As a result, we have fewer young hunters. And the Families of Field program is designed to eliminate those barriers. Hunting is safe. And the safest hunters afield are young people with adult mentors. Visit our website at familiesafield.org to find out how you can bring more families afield. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoors Show. And welcome back to the Hunt Life Outdoors Show, and we'd rather be in the woods. Yes, we would. But that's kind of part of the deal when you do a uh, uh by the way i didn't know if i show. told you this i won't be here next saturday <laughs> kansas <laughs> so it's your turn yeah yeah, yeah. Kansas, is that right yeah I'm, I'll, I'll be in kansas so. i'll be here next saturday either <laughs> yeah that's right yeah <laughs> It'd be uh, no, you, you can sit over here uh, so what's this the kevin favor tour of the midwest is that what we're doing here basically yeah <laughs> you know it's pretty neat it's called that. kevin favor goes broke deer hunting <laughs> you know we, we talk about food and cover and, you know, some of our, our listeners down in Texas, I mean, water is such of great importance. And, and we're kind of seeing a little bit of that in the southeast. Mm-hmm. You know, a buddy of mine uh, got to, the, to, to my place the other day, and, and he gets in there late, and he says, where should I go? And I said, well, go to the pond stand. That's a tripod on the pond, and, you know, it's not that far from camp. And he's like, why? And I said, water. Water in South Georgia, you really think about water? And he kind of was, you know, mm-hmm. questioning you. Questioning yeah. The hunt master. He's questioning he the hunt master. Yeah. Yeah. God yeah. God. yeah. He was trying to God to God. God. <laughs> yeah. And so what does he, he do? He gets in there, you know, an hour, hour and a half before dark and 10 yards from the young pines by the stand out pops an eight point, you know, 16 inches wide, short brow tines and comes out and goes right to the pond. And he said it must have drank five gallons of water. Yeah. Really? Yep. He huh. said it drank and drank and drank and drank and got done and just started walking away and then said he, you know, could have shot them all day long. But I mean, that's, you know, for those in Texas, I mean, that is a huge deal. Yeah. 
Kansas, no. I, I keep to, I know, but you know, Kevin had a water hole. He dug with a backhoe. Um, and I've showed you the, the, the trail camp pictures. They, they, these deer go down into that hole. Yeah. And drink and come out of that hole. That's the only water. Yeah. What are the yeah. key elements? What? Food, water, cover. Yeah. And that, that's Main it, thing. isn't it? Dozen yeah. heat. Dozen yeah. heat. <laughs> uh, we had, we had a uh, uh, we call him artesian well. Yeah. On our club there in Alabama. And it was the place to get pictures of deer during late summer. Mm-hmm. When everything else kind of dried everything up. Drying up and it's a little slow flowing. It wasn't like a big fast flowing. It just right. kind of creeped across the water, uh, across the ground, made a little puddle. It looked like a cattle stockyard, you know, because they were drinking that water. Interesting. Because, I mean, heck, I, I know that uh, Texas this year, I mean, they're, they're you know, experiencing record drought. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, in parts of the southeast have experienced record drought. Uh, holy cow. I mean, I, just, I never thought that I'd be in a state that usually has plenty of water thinking about hunting water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And generally, you know, generally speaking, on a normal year, they get a lot of the water out of the, the foods they're eating, the plants, and there's dew right. on those plants and all that kind of stuff. But when things start drying out, they need water, so they're going to hit that water. All right, folks. Hey, uh, this week, don't forget to check out HuntLife.com because there is a contest going on for a 2012 hunt with the HuntLife president, Major Harding, and all the details are at HuntLife.com to see how you can enter. So check it out at HuntLife.com and Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everybody next week. And that's from me, Jeff mm-hmm. Logman, Kevin Favor, mm-hmm. and our staff biologist, Dave Edwards, Paul Times Consulting. We'll talk to everybody next week. See you. See you. Thank you for listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Be sure to check out the very latest in the Hunt Life by logging on to HuntLife.com. The Hot Life Outdoor Show is a product of Hot Life Productions. Copyright 2011.